You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Volume 6 of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And we are back again this week with some uh, with some news that was uh, that we did a few weeks ago. We've got some follow-up this week. Um, it actually deals with the Nintendo Power issues that are, have been pulled down from the internet, which sucks. Nintendo can be the the no fun police sometimes when it comes to stuff like that. Unfortunately, I love Nintendo, but sometimes they get a little too overprotective of their stuff. um, Actually, uh, before we go into that, let's talk about what we've done this week. Uh, I went to the flea market yesterday, and it was kind of a bust because as soon as I got there, it started raining. So pretty much everybody that was there started packing their stuff up and left, so... I waited a little bit for it to stop raining. I walked around a bit. I didn't really find anything. I did go to the Play and Talk in Gulfport, and I found a copy of Dragon Warrior for $4.50, which I think is a pretty good buy for that game. It was in a little bit of rough shape, but I fixed it up really nice, and it plays. And, uh, yeah, that was my pickup for this week. Nice. Uh, I've been pretty busy this week with work and, you know, celebrating the birthday and everything. But yeah, I did birthday, go to... Sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm starting to apply for uh, Social Security now, so, <laughs> we'll, so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Oh, I got but... the horn ready for you. It's the birthday horn. <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Um, I did go to a local place we have here in Pensacola called Price Busters. They sell a lot of uh, retro games and collectibles. Like They don't have just games. They have old action figures, Beanie Babies, um, game systems, comic books. They have all kinds of retro collectibles. And I found something, and I sent you a picture of it to kind of go off on the the movie we've been constantly bringing up called The Wizard. (laughs) Uh, I found the Power Glove, which, no lie, is the first time I've ever seen one in person. Really? Yeah, I, I I, I never had an NES and never had the Power Glove, so... The only time I'd ever seen it were in photos and in the movie. Wow. I uh, I wanted one really bad, but I had a couple of friends that had it and realized that it was terrible. And then my want for it just kind of died. Like I really had no desire to have one after actually getting my hands on one a couple of times. Yeah, that thing was a piece of junk. How was it a piece of junk? Did it just not connect just very well? It just doesn't work. It, at all. I mean, my parents bought me a U-Force. If you never seen <laughs> go online, go to YouTube, and look up the Nintendo U-Force and look at this horrible piece of trash uh, my parents got for me one Christmas. And this thing was expensive at the time. It was like 40 50 bucks uh, that they got for me for Christmas. It was one of my big pr- Christmas presents that year. And I got it, and I played it maybe twice. It didn't work, so I just threw it in the closet, and I have no idea where it is to this day. Could I was be about in a to ask if you still somewhere. had it. What's that? I was about to ask if you still had it. Oh, no, it's it's dying in a <laughs> landfill somewhere, probably. Uh, sounds like that's where it belongs. 
Yeah, that was that was pretty much the the bad thing about all those peripherals back in the day because they were trying all this. Sounded cool, but in the application just didn't work, and everything it was expensive and it sucked, and it just became a dust collector. So they they got us a few times when we were kids. They they got us. With the whole power glove thing, it's a really cool concept. Just you know, being able to control a game by moving your hand, but I, I could see it not working. Yeah, and when it boils down to it, nothing beats having a controller in your hand. Even to no. this day, you know, uh, I liked the, the Wii. I thought it was a really cool thing at the time. But when it boils down to it, I'd rather just have a controller in my hand, even if it's just two buttons, you know, like the old uh, the straight-up Nintendo Entertainment System controller with the D-pad and two, an A and B button. That's all you need. Yep, and I remember uh, the Wii, the, the remote was cool. You know, especially when you were doing the Wii Sports, you could swing the remote like a baseball bat yeah. or like a golf club. That was kind of cool. But, yeah, I totally agree. Nothing beats an old-school controller, which uh, is the NES controller your all-time favorite? Um, what would be your all-time favorite controller? I think probably my all-time favorite controller is probably... And I know this is going to sound weird, but I really like the GameCube controller. Totally agree, one hundred percent. I love I, I'm, that controller. I have, I have smaller hands. Yeah. <laughs> so the controller is kind of small, but it like fits perfectly, and the where the trigger buttons are, they rest like perfectly on your finger. Oh yeah. You can just leave them there. It, it's just perfect. I think it's the perfect I really controller. Think Nintendo needs to go back to that design myself. For you know, if you're gonna have if the next system's gonna be just a straight up controller, even if it is something that's detachable from the actual unit itself, I wish they would go back to that aesthetic that that controller from from the GameCube because that it was just so comfortable. Funny enough, I'm actually holding a GameCube controller right now because um, Smash Brothers Melee for GameCube was the most popular Smash Brothers game. And when the new um, Wii U version came out, they actually released a, um, I guess you would call it an adapter, yeah. where you could plug in the GameCube controller ports to your Wii U, and they re-released the GameCube controller with the Smash Brothers logo on them. Oh, that's so cool. when I started getting into the retro collecting again, I still had my old GameCube at my grandparents' house, but I didn't have any of the wired controllers. But then I remembered I had the uh, Smash Brothers edition. Whenever I got the Wii U game, I also bought the adapter and the GameCube controller because it's still the best way to play Smash Brothers is with a GameCube controller. And you know, I've been doing some Let's Plays on the GameCube lately, so getting to use that controller again has been fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. I still like the Super Nintendo controller as well because um, I just I, that was the first controller I ever used that had bumpers. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, that was huge for the time to have those bumpers at the top. Yeah, I would say GameCube would be number one. Uh, a close second, though, would be Super Nintendo and yeah. then probably PlayStation. And speaking of the Super Nintendo, let's move into news. This comes to us from Gizmodo. The Super Nintendo Retro Receiver is a painless wireless upgrade for your classic console. 
Uh, it's actually a new uh, controller, wireless controller, at, made specifically for the Super Nintendo. Uh, it was announced back in April uh, for the original Nintendo Entertainment System and the Japanese Famicom. The simple accessory lets you easily use modern wireless controllers on your classic Nintendo consoles. Now it's also available for the Super Nintendo and Super Famicom, which is the version we had the opportunity to try out with the, with the original NES. Uh, receiver... Getting the receiver up and running is easy as plugging a controller into the front of your Super Nintendo, uh, but there's no cord. The adapter draws all the power it needs from the SNES controller port, so you don't need to worry about recharging it, which that's cool. Uh, and it uses a Bluetooth-compatible wireless controller. Just requires you to push the single red button on the front of the adapter once the controller has been put into its own pairing mode. The two will then talk, perform whatever electronic handshakes and agreements are required to work together, and then you are ready to play. And according to this, he said uh, there's he he says at the end of the article, this is the part of the review where he's supposed to point out his concerns with the retro receiver, but he's having a hard time finding any. It works extremely well. It's easy to set up, and the company behind it is dedicated to doing firmware updates if there is a, ever is a problem. Uh, it's going to start at twenty dollars which is really good, and um, and since the Super Nintendo does have two controller ports, a slightly discounted Retro Receiver 2-pack might be a nice option. I'll be getting this. Yes, I will too. I actually need another controller, because I, I only found one. I don't know where my second controller went, so I'm, I'm going to be on the lookout for new controllers for my Super Nintendo, and wireless, perfect. Oh, absolutely, and this is... Absolutely perfect, especially for someone like me who's been playing the Super Nintendo lately. And for only twenty dollars, that's not that's bad at an all. amazing deal. I know. I was thinking it was going to be like fifty, sixty bucks. No, twenty dollars is that you can't beat that deal. So I will absolutely be getting this. And it sounds like they're really dedicated to making a good product because my first impression of this when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, this seems like a, you know, one of those cheap things that a company is trying to make just to get money but it looks like actual quality has been put into it mm. which is awesome yeah and i mean it, it's the exact super nintendo controller as well i mean you look at it and same color same button scheme it just doesn't have a wire on it and that is awesome absolutely no i'll absolutely be getting this well, on to our next story, what we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, this comes to us from Polygon. Nintendo takes down Nintendo Power Collection from Internet Archive after noticing it. This sucks because I I understand that Nintendo needs to um, protect their IP as far as uh, trademarks and copyrights and all that stuff goes. I mean, I I completely understand all that. Uh, it says archivist Jason Scott uploaded the collection back in February, but it amassed widespread popularity last week when Nintendo fans happened upon its wealth of nostalgic treasures. Um, 145 issues dating back to 1988 were fully accessible at no cost, giving former readers a chance to rediscover more than half of Nintendo Power's backlog. The unapproved use of Nintendo's intellectual property can weaken our ability to protect and preserve it or to possibly use it for new projects, the company said, repeating comments made earlier today regarding the takedown of Metroid 2 fan project. I, I didn't hear about that. Um, I mean, I understand that, that they have to protect that stuff because if they don't, then it weakens their... Um, it, it, how, do, how would you say that? It kind of 
weakens their their ability I say to it weakens defend their it. brand but yeah I'm, I'm not sure what you would call it but it weakens their ability to defend it if something bigger happens than this True. um but what they should do and and maybe they're talking about this with Jason Scott I don't see why they wouldn't pair up with them and do make this a Nintendo give it the Nintendo seal of quality or actually take what they've done pay uh Jason Scott for what they've done as far as uh digitizing it and put it on the Nintendo website. It would be a great thing because as we talked about in previous episodes Nintendo Power was a big part of not just our childhood but so many other people's childhood and if you if Nintendo posted say on their Facebook oh every issue of Nintendo Power now available on nintendo.com I would go and read it I would too. Uh, there, I think Nintendo really does underestimate how much we love this stuff and how much we're willing to support these type of things, which I think they're going to find out soon enough when this uh, mini NES comes out in September or November. They're going to find out that there is a huge market out there for this retro stuff because there, there's plenty of people that are between the ages of 25 and, say, 45, 50 years old that grew up in the height of the Nintendo uh, world domination in the, the late 80s and, and 90s. And we hunger for this stuff. And unless you have an old collection of Nintendo Power, there's no other way to see this stuff. And who has who still has their Nintendo Power collection? I mean, I still have most of mine. But I'm not going to go dig them out of storage just to read them when when I could just go online and see the whole of the uh, you know the entire history of the nin- uh, Nintendo Power. That's just why not make it easy for us? I think Nintendo, like you said, when the Mini NES comes out and it sells really well, I think that could be what makes Nintendo finally realize that the biggest thing that they have on their side right now is nostalgia Mm -hmm. because people grew up with Nintendo and Nintendo is not really that relevant in current pop culture. Nowhere near what it was, you know, 20 to 15 years ago. So I think once that comes out, maybe they'll go back and revisit this or maybe do something with it. I don't know exactly what they could do other than, you know, what you had mentioned, but yeah. I I really think they're going to realize that they need to embrace their history and their nostalgia because people love nostalgic things. They love <laughs> things that they grew up with because it gives them that, you know, sentimental for sentimental reasons. Yeah, exactly. Because like me, I'm having, you know, I'm going to be 40 years old next year. I'm having a midlife crisis. So the one thing I do is go back to the things that I enjoyed when I was young. And what is that? Nintendo. Absolutely. But let's go ahead and move on to uh, this month in video game history. This week in 1991, speaking of the Super Nintendo... Nintendo released the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in uh, North America. It was released as the uh, Super Famicom in 1990 in Japan. Um, 
it was Nintendo's second home console, of course. Uh, it became a global success, the best-selling console of the 16-bit era. Um, and let me see how many units it sold. Uh, let's see. I didn't think to look that up beforehand. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Um, let's see. Star Fox. Uh, 49... Point one million SNES units were sold worldwide, wow. with twenty three point three five million of those units sold in the Americas, and seventeen point one seven million in Japan. Wow. Although it could not quite repeat the success of the NES, which sold sixty one point nine million units worldwide, the SNES was the best selling console of its era. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, the original concept design for the SNES actually ended up being the top loader for the uh, the, the original Nintendo Entertainment System when they changed it uh, around the time that the Super Nintendo came out. Um, if anybody knows what the top loader is, just go uh, look on Wikipedia and you can look up the Nintendo top loader and then look up the Super NES and you'll see the concept designs and it's pretty much the same thing. I'm actually looking that up right now. Uh, top loader. Uh, it says it does not exist. I'll just Google it. Oh, really? Top loader. Oh, here it is. Oh, I know what this is. I've seen this before. Oh, yeah. If you've seen the top loader, you know exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I remember seeing pictures of this. But, man, huh. I remember when the Super Nintendo came out, I was fit to be tied, man, waiting for that thing, to waiting for Christmas to come around. I had to wait, what, this August, September, October, November, December. I had to wait four months to get my Super Nintendo. It was awful. The worst four months ever. But it was worth the wait, I oh, bet. Oh, yes. I, that Christmas, I got uh, not only the Super Nintendo that had Super Mario World uh, in uh, the... What do they call it? The pff, my brain doesn't work on Sunday nights for some reason, <laughs> but the pack-in game was Super Mario World, and uh, yes. I got Legend of Zelda and Final Fight that Christmas. Nice. Oh, I think I got F Zero too. I think I got four games with it when I when I first got it that Christmas. I could never get into the F Zero games. Um, it was fun, but honestly, it gets old really fast. Like I, I can see that. I tried to play it again the other day when I brought the uh, Super Nintendo out of storage, and I played maybe two tracks on it, and I was like, this is kind of boring now. I did play the GameCube version, and after about 10 minutes, I was like, well, this wasn't worth buying. Yeah. <laughs> also, in uh, 1986, uh, in August, Nintendo released Metroid, uh, very, I'm pretty sure everybody that listens to this show knows what Metroid is. And also in August, the Taito Corporation released Bubble Bobble, which is a, a really fun game. I had an opportunity to buy it a few weeks at the flea market, but I ran out of money. I could have got picked it up for five bucks. I wish I would have brought more money with me. That sounds really familiar. I'm looking that up, too. Yeah, I used to play it. We actually used to have the uh, the arcade console at my job. Of Bubble Bobble, and I used to dump many a quarter into that game. Oh, I remember this game. Yeah, the two little dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. No, fu funny story. Um, the place where I used to go, uh, the dentist I used to go to, would have an arcade machine in their waiting room, and this was one of the games that was on mm -hmm. it. <laughs> 
That and uh, Burger Time. Oh, yeah. I remember Burger Time. Oh, good stuff. Yes. Good stuff. But actually... And, Me- and Metroid is, you know, it's an all-time classic. Oh, yeah. Um, the cool... I actually want to review Metroid here in the next few weeks. I think I might do that uh, in October when we do our creepy slash horror slash Halloween themed games. I think I might do Metroid because I think it falls into that category. I think so. I should review Super Metroid. Yes, you should. We'll, we'll make we'll make it a Metroid theme show. Sounds good to me. Sweet. But actually, right now we're going to go ahead and go into our review for tonight. And since this week is my review, we're going to uh, play. We're actually going to talk about this game here. knows what that music is there that is a game called star tropics quite possibly one of my top five favorite video games of all time and definitely my favorite nintendo game of all time it's an action adventure game released by nintendo in 1990 for the nintendo entertainment system unlike most of nintendo games it was never released or intended to be released in japan it was recently released in north america and europe Although designed by Japanese designers living in the United States, it was produced and directed by Genyo Takeda of Nintendo Integrated Research and Development, who also developed the Punch-Out! series. Star Tropics was followed by a sequel entitled Zoda's Revenge Star Tropic 2, released in 1994. But we'll get into that game on a, a future episode, which it's a great game um, and arguably <clears throat> probably better than the first Star Tropics, but failed miserably. It was actually the last game that Nintendo released for the Nintendo Entertainment System. But we're not talking about Zoda's Revenge. We're talking about Star Tropics. You said today that you actually got to see a couple of videos on it, right? Yeah, um, I had never really heard of this game. So to do some research for tonight's show, I wanted to watch a little bit of gameplay of it. And my first thought was, this looks and feels a lot like Zelda 2 The Adventures of Link, which a lot of people don't like that game because it's very different than any other Zelda that's been made. It's yeah. got a little bit more of a platforming aspect to it, but I don't hate the game. And just watching a few minutes of Star Tropics, I'm like, this is a game that I could get into. Oh, yeah, and this is actually feels more like a successor to the first Zelda Legend of Zelda game than Zelda 2 actually is. This is more like the spiritual successor to it because the gameplay is similar. It's got dungeons, top-down dungeons. It's got the overworld map that you do everything in. Um, Let me tell you the plot. The story of the game follows Mike as he travels to visit his uncle, an archaeologist by the name of Dr. Stephen Jones, at his laboratory on the fictional Sea Island in the so-called South Seas. When Mike arrives at Dr. Jones's home in the tropical village of Korokola, he finds that his uncle has gone missing. Dr. Jones's assistant gives Mike a special yo-yo to defend himself, which is actually probably one of the coolest weapons you'll ever get in a video game because you can upgrade it and it's awesome. On a nearby island, Mike finds a bottle with a message from Dr. Jones stating that he has been abducted by extraterrestrials. Traveling to many of the Isles of the South Seas, Mike encounters monsters, labyrinths, quirky characters, and many intelligent animals, including a talking talking parrot and a mother dolphin dolphin looking for a son, all in the search for his lost uncle, Dr. Jones. And let me tell you, 
when this game first came out, I was such a fan of Zelda, like everything Nintendo, uh, that, you know, the first party Nintendo stuff, as far as Super Mario Brothers, uh, Zelda, Metroid, those were all top tier at the absolute best games for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And when this game came out, they had a two-issue run and, uh, and Nintendo Power leading up to the release of this game, which I could have told you to go look up and gave you the, the issue numbers, but they took it down, So, which was actually the two issues that I read last week when it was still up. Uh, they did a two-issue run leading up to the uh, release of this game, and not only that, but they had been talking about it for a year beforehand in Nintendo Power. So by the time this game came out, I got it on day one. I had been saving my money, you know, cutting lawns and and crushing cans and turning aluminum cans in for money. Anything I could do to raise money to, to buy this game. The day it came out, I was there. My expectations were at a fever pitch when this game came out. And let me tell you something. It met every single expectation I had for this game. It had adventure, RPG elements. You upgrade your weapons uh, it's got mysteries, you solve puzzles. I mean, everything that you could possibly want. If you're a Zelda fan, you are you will love this game. I'm telling you, go pick this game up. If you have a Nintendo Entertainment System, this is definitely the game that you have to have. It is my favorite game for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Where does this rank on your all-time favorite games? Because you seem to be like really high on it. You said it was your favorite Nintendo game. Is it your all-time favorite game, period? My favorite game, period, is Resident Evil 2. Which, okay. incidentally, I had for the Nintendo 64. So it would definitely be up there still, Oh, though. this is definitely probably number two. Okay. That's uh, that's pretty high praise. I can go back and play this game. I'm actually in the middle of a new game right now that I started a couple of weeks ago. This game is so good, it still holds up to this day. And I, if I, I just don't understand at the time why they put um, Zoda's Revenge on the Nintendo Entertainment System instead of moving this franchise onto the Super Nintendo because they were gearing the main character Mike up to be you know just as recognizable as Samus or uh you know Mario or Zelda he or, I mean not Zelda but Link they could he uh, and even Mega Man like he could have been up there with those characters to this day if they would have done it right but I think because, and plus there was four years between this game and the sequel. So, I mean, that's four years is a long time to wait for a sequel to a video game. And then you put the sequel out on basically a dead console at the time. The Nintendo in 1994 was pretty much dead at that point. Why would you put one of your franchises on that system unless you're trying to kill it? Which I don't see why they would, because Star Tropics was, I, I think it was at least a hit when it came out. I mean, I, I knew a lot of people that played it, and it certainly got enough coverage in the video game magazines. Yeah, moving or putting the sequel on a system that's you know already outdated, that doesn't really make much sense to me. I, I just there was another game. It might have been this one, but there was a game you mentioned where the sequel came out to 
uh, came out on the NES after the SNES had already came out. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand why you would do that. That's not very good business practice. But one thing I did want to ask you about, you mentioned that you use a yo-yo yes. as a weapon, which I saw a gameplay of that, and I was like, that is just awesome. Yeah, and you upgrade um, I, it. And I love yo-yos. Awesome. <laughs> but now, yeah, you do, get... Do um, you, Go ahead. Throwing stars and all kind of different weapons. I mean, pretty much the same way you do with Link, where you can get power-ups for your weapons and like use different weapons and stuff like that. You have an inventory. It's pretty much the Legend of Zelda template. Now, does the yo-yo stay as your primary weapon? Yes, or... that, that is your primary weapon, is the yo-yo. Okay, that's awesome. Like it's, It sounds so quirky. It reminds me of something that would be an Earthbound. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, I like I said, it, it could have been they could have, uh, you know, revitalized the yo-yo by putting out Nintendo uh, Star Tropics yo-yos or something at the time. I mean, this whole franchise just got mistreated, I think, and it could have been much bigger than it was. And even on when I read on the Wikipedia page, it says uh all game gave the game four and a half stars out of five, finding the game to be derivative of The Legend of Zelda, but still very much an excellent game. The game commented on the graphics, noting uh, that the characters and action sequences look fantastic while the travel scenes were kind of dull. That I'll agree with. Um, IGN praised the creative gameplay of Star Tropics, calling it the natural evolution of the original Legend of Zelda. And in the September 1997 Nintendo Power, 12 staff members vote um, in a list for the top 100 games of all time. Um, the magazine placed Star Tropics at 60, 64th place on their list. Out of the 100 games of all time, it placed. And that says something for this game. I think it just got severely overlooked by the public. And that's a shame because Nintendo really could have used another, you know, iconic franchise. Because we all know Mario, Zelda, Metroid, Star Fox to a lesser extent. But they really could have used something like Star Tropics. Because, yeah, it's similar to Zelda in its ways. But I think it's also different enough to where it could have stood on its own. Oh, yeah, and the coolest thing about this game was this was actually developed to fight uh, piracy, but the game was packaged with a, a letter from your uncle, a physical letter, um, and there's a part in the story where you're on your submarine and you have to put in some coordinates, and what you did was when this part of the game popped up, you had to take that letter and dip it in water. And it had uh, like invisible ink on it that would tell you the coordinates of where you needed to go. Wow. That's a cool collectible. Yeah, I wish I have it somewhere. I don't know where it is. Uh, luckily, there's the internet now, so I can just look up the code. So if this was, you know, 20 something years ago and I lost that letter, eh, you're shit out of luck, buddy. Pretty much, yeah. But I'm definitely excited to to play this game. I actually looked on the Wikipedia. It is available on the Wii Virtual Console. So once I finish with one of the Throwback Thursdays that I'm doing, because I'm rotating between four different games, and I know I want to do Illusion of Gaia Mm -hmm. that I reviewed a couple of weeks ago, but I haven't done an NES game yet. Well, this is so definitely I, the one. Star Tropics that, might be one to do. Yeah, this is the one you're going to want to do. Um, and 
the the combat and the controls of the game take a little bit of getting used to because you don't have very much freedom of movement. You very much move in a grid pattern. Um, there is no like diagonal movement. You have to move like you're on a tile, which is weird sounding. But once you play it, you'll understand. They got rid of that for the second game, and honestly, I it makes your freedom of movement better. But I preferred it in the the first game because. You knew where you were going to jump, <laughs> and when you're jumping from tile to tile, tile in these dungeons, because there is a lot of, you're going to suffer a lot of water deaths from accident, accidental jumps into the water. And of course, as when all Nintendo games, everyone is allergic to water, even Ninja Turtles. Pretty much, pretty much. Which, uh, speaking of Ninja Turtles. To give a little preview of my review for next week, I'm going to be reviewing my all-time favorite Ninja Turtles game for the Super Nintendo, and that would be Turtles in Time. Fantastic. It's such a good game. One of my, one of my top favorites for Nintendo, uh, not Nintendo 64, Super Nintendo. Well, tell you what, you do that one, and then the week after, I will do my favorite Ninja Turtles game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game for the NES. That's that's one of the best party games to play. Yes. But so, to, uh, look forward to a lot of Ninja tropics? Turtles in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Let's definitely do a Ninja Turtle block. But to Love end it. our uh, discussion on Star Tropics, I give this game, uh, out of five stars, I give it a solid five. Um, if you're going to get a Nintendo Entertainment System, this one is definitely should be in anybody's collection, even if whatever kind of collector you are, if you, especially if you like to just play your games. This is one that is easily has playabil- replayability over and over again. I, I give this my highest grade. So if you find this game, pick it up. I can't wait to start it. You, you've fired me up on wanting to play this. Oh, I can't wait till you start playing it. You have to let me know the minute you start playing it. Will do. Will but do. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, anything you want to throw in before we get out of here? Um, I don't think so. No, it's just a, another fun episode of discussing retro gaming and can't wait to talk Ninja Turtles next week. Fantastic. Well, we'll do the uh, Turtles in Time next week and then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game the week after that. So let's go on ahead and start our little outro here. Let's do it. So you can get a hold of us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And definitely, if you have any uh, news items you want us to cover on the show, please send us the links to that email. Uh, and we'll start looking at those for the next show. Um, and you can get a hold of us uh, at Twitter, at nerdcaveretro, at, at jfunktastic, and at Derek underscore diamond. And you can get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So let's go ahead and get out of here. Derek, take us out. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. 